Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Act Podcast. This is part one of entrepreneurship and music analysis with Sung Cho. Initially from Korea, Sung is the thought leader and founder behind the revolutionary chart metric. Listen in as we break down Sung's unique path entering the music industry after holding prominent roles in engineering and product at such companies as Gameville and Oracle. This is an episode you won't want to miss. And now, hosted by Harry G., This is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. Sung, thank you so much for being on the First Act Podcast. Thank you for having me, Harrison. Yeah, I'm excited to interview you because, you know, Chartmetric, the company that you that you started is the gold standard for analytics all across the music industry. Thank you. I'm hoping that we can talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, where you went to school and, you know, your experience before actually founding Chartmetric. Sure, sure. Sounds good. Sweet. Why don't you tell everybody in your words, what is Chartmetric and what kind of value does it provide the music industry? So Chartmetric is music data analytics dashboard, meaning that we track the data around music, musical artists, musical albums, uh, musical sounds. Our data comes from various platforms where people consume music or fans interact with artists. So they interact with artists on social media, they listen to music on streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon, or Deezer, and social media platforms. And they also use music in creating TikTok videos. Those short-form videos are becoming more and more popular form of consumption for younger generation. So we also track the data from there. Once we do that, uh, we can visualize this data, or we can summarize, we can analyze in a way that's more digestible for our users. And we create a dashboard, we deliver the, the data into the email inboxes, or we provide some custom reports. So it sounds like you know, you're know you aggregating data from all over the place. You were saying from all the streaming platforms and a lot of social platforms too, like TikTok. Mm-hmm. And in order for you to be able to have access to all these types of data, like keep in mind, a lot of the listeners that are tuning into this episode, a lot of them are in high school or in college. So how do you get access to this data? Do you have to have partnerships with these companies? Yeah, in some cases, we do secure partnerships with those companies. Uh, in some other cases, there are public open APIs we can leverage, for example, charts data. You want to get uh, Shazam charts. Those are publicly available data on the web, and we can go and scrape similar form as Google crawls the data and store in their database for searching index. Uh, we can also bring the data directly from the website. Some data points that we need to pay for as well. So we license those data as well. Are you able to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for example, AirPlay data. There are multiple vendors out there which have the technology to listen to the radio, listen to tens of thousands of radio stations, and they identify those songs. Similar way Shazam does identify which song company playing from the radio, those companies can do that. So they have this data, and we simply license the data from them. 
I see. So Chartmetric is really a data aggregator, and I believe that it's a lot of it's more business to business. Is that right, or do you guys have a lot of you know consumers like like artists, individual artists that that use the platform as well? Uh, that's correct. It's business to business, not so much consumers or artists. Even though sometimes fans of artists they want to uh, share some of the stats here in, in their own fan communities. So they use sometimes, but not necessarily our main use case. How did you come up with this idea, if you don't mind me asking? Making the data more available and useful, that has been something that I enjoyed in my previous career or at school. How can I... So there are like some, something like you know, data science projects, such as New York taxi routes, and like they have compiled the entire like, New York City taxis going from point A to point B, and they can analyze this data and they can be used in government policies. So those topics fascinated me. In the music space, I, I really enjoy watching those talent shows or competitions. So when an unknown artist, they work so hard toward their career, they finally uh, have a chance to showcase their talent in front of the judges. When I see them, I see them grow to become more and more artists. That entire process fascinates me. So I wondered if there is a way to capture these signals earlier than others or help them with the technology or the data so that they can focus more on their own talent and not so much worried about the data side. So wanted to find a way to help those artists. I think that's a really great vision. Do you find that a lot of artists focus on their data or is it something that is only more recently being uncovered with tools like Chartmetric? So artists always cared about how much they earn. Of course, album sales, right? So CD sales, album sales, LP sales, or merch sales, they are very sensitive about them. They are on top of them. But uh, the consumption data have been much more difficult. More recently, this consumption data became more available. But still, artists can get the data from, for example, from YouTube. They know where their listeners are, male, female, some demographics information, but uh, that's only showing the YouTube side. So it was possible, and artists naturally, they are curious about where their fans are. So artists were using this data already, but the platforms, now there are more and more platforms to worry about, to care about. So even if they know how to do, they've been using the data, it was becoming more challenging to track across all different platforms. And the secondary, as artists are smarter and smarter about the data, they know how to use the data to their advantages. And this trend has been happening. It is accelerating, as I see that, with the industry. Yeah, I, I think that if I were to draw a parallel to my career a little bit, like my background is in accounting, and I decided to work in the music industry and I'm a little bit familiar with your background as well. And I believe that you're an engineer before you decided to go to business school. Right, right. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But I entered the music industry, I'd say, like at my first larger music industry company in New York City in 2016. And there was not a big focus on data. 
but I've seen over the last five, six years that there has been a massive, massive increase in data knowledge and business intelligence in the music industry. And I think that your company is the one that's really spearheading that, which is why I'm very excited to kind of talk to you about this. But your background isn't really so much in the music industry, right? This is your first music venture. Is that right? That's correct. How has it been breaking into the music industry? And I know that it's a very different kind of business than breaking into the tech business or breaking into the automobile industry might be a little bit different, right? I would say that it was easier than I thought initially because my background was not here. Uh, I was in the mobile gaming industry or enterprise software application industry. So the music industry, I didn't really know people here. But one thing that I quickly realized was people are generally nice and want to support each other in this industry. So that helped a lot for someone like me. I didn't know many people, but one by one, person by person who I connected with, they welcomed me, really. In the beginning, I still get welcomed, but in the beginning, really, when I didn't really have much to show, Still, people welcomed me. Hey, you're coming from a different background. I like your passion. I see what you're trying to build. So let me know how I can help you or give feedback. There were a lot of people who were like that. So that helped. That's great to hear. I think it's all about the attitude that you bring in as well, right? If you're humble and you're coming in saying, hey, I don't know anything about this space. I just want to learn. You know, this is what I want to do, but, you know, I'm just trying to learn. I think people are a lot more receptive and they, they love to help be a part of driving that needle or kind of bring the needle forward, especially as tech enters the music industry, because it's something that I feel like the music industry has lagged a little bit behind in terms of technology, while other industries have been disrupted. And now we're starting to see the disruption. Oh, yeah, totally. What, when did Chartmetrics start? About six years ago, uh, 2015. That's right around the time when I was telling you there wasn't a lot of focus on data. So I think that as an entrepreneur, your timing was impeccable. That sounds great because I wasn't sure uh, when I started. I wasn't sure if I was too late in the game or too early. Too late in, in a sense that there were a couple other companies already. Next Big Sound was a company that was created like seven years prior to that. Maybe they thought it was too early. They made a huge uh, impact. They made a dent and people were using the tool. So in that sense, I thought I was a little bit late. At the same time, recorded music revenue coming from the streaming services, that was growing, but wasn't that big still back in 2015. Right. And then also overall, the music industry revenue has been shrinking for 10 years. So people, especially venture capitalists, were like, ah, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about supporting a company going into an industry or providing services to that industry. But uh, guess what? That was the inflection point looking back. 2015 was the low point ever since the overall industry revenue kept growing. Right. You know, there was definitely timing and there was an element, there was an element of luck. But let's talk a little bit about you creating this idea or, or ideating, right? You had this vision. You liked the idea of identifying talent. How did you begin? Did you first go? I know that you said that you were talking to people, but did you go out to find a co-founder, somebody who is technical that can build this? Are you technical 
or did you go out and try to get money? What were the first steps? Yes, the first, the very first beginning was an accelerator program, actually, Startup Accelerator. There are a lot nowadays, Y Combinator being at the top and AngelPad and like numerous. There are hundreds of those accelerator programs. I highly recommend to anyone who is thinking of starting a company, you have to give some equity away, but you get a lot back in return. Their network, their advice, plus a little bit of fan funding as well, uh, the startup funding. So in my case, it was an accelerator called Spark Labs. I joined the program. It was a 12 weeks intensive bootcamp style program. Every week I had to practice my pitch for the demo day. At the end of that 12 weeks, I stand at the stage and give my pitch to 1800 attendees there, a huge auditorium. So that was quite nervous and mind blowing. But soon afterwards, I was able to easily set up meetings with angel investors and institutional uh, funds and ended up raising uh, a little bit from some of my friends, family and angel investors. Wow. So the accelerator program really helped move the needle forward. It, It helped you get, I guess, all the pieces in one spot. That's correct. In my case. Yeah. So if you can share maybe three takeaways that you really learned that you found that you would maybe not have been able to do without the accelerator, what would those be? First one was the sense of urgency. During that program, um, I really, even before I started that program, I was still working on my idea, but it was sort of like 10 hours a day. And if I get tired, then I push to the next day. But during that 12 weeks sort of boot style, boot camp style camp, I was able to really focus on only one thing, the demo day. How can I complete this prototype and show that to investors, present my pitch uh, as well? So that's one thing. And number two, there are other entrepreneurs around who are also working really hard. So you are surrounded by like-minded people. So that helped. Number three, uh, in recruiting, while I was in that program, it was, you know, they promoted, hey, here's the latest batch, check out these companies. After that news PR, uh, it was easier to hire people, engineers and designers, they check out that profile and see that we are in an accelerator program. Hey, you know, they crossed at least one one validation check. So maybe it's an okay company to join. Right. It's really early stage. So that additional validation, yeah, that helped. I see the same from YC. Some of my friends, they joined my Combinator program and they talk about the benefits, similar benefits a lot. Yeah. So it sounds like it gives you the network of like-minded individuals. It creates a sense of urgency so that you're, you know, instead of saying, oh, you know, I could do this tomorrow. You're like, no, these are my tasks that I need to finish today. Otherwise I'm going to be behind. Mm-hmm. And then you get that blue tick. You, you get verified by engineers and designers and the talent that you want to recruit. That's correct. So I didn't have a co-founder in the beginning. So because I, I tried, I thought about that, but I joined the program and like things just 
began moving really quickly. But I had advisors. Luckily, I found some good advisors who could help me uh, on the way. But uh, since I was technical, at least I got that part. In the very beginning of the company, it's like, yes, you have to have the sales skill. You have to connect with people. But in the end, you have to build something. And I wasn't really like the best engineer or I didn't know the latest technologies. But at least I had a sense of how to formulate this, uh, what kind of engineers I needed. So I hired a couple of engineers and began building this protocol. Okay, so, so you must have had a, at least a little bit of capital prior to the accelerator. Hey everyone, just wanted to check back in and shout all of you out who are taking the time to check out the podcast, especially those of you who have been sharing it with your friends and writing me such nice messages on Apple Podcasts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you or someone you know has an awesome story that you think should be shared with the world, feel free to write me directly on any of our socials at The First Act Podcast. Until then, stay safe.